We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is to hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. Welcome back to another episode of What the World Needs More of. I am here with my good friend, Ben. Sir, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jared. All right. Now, the question of the show, we'll dive right in. What do you feel the world needs more of? Uh, There's a few thoughts that I have. Um, I think especially given the political climate in the United States and what you're seeing around the world, uh, we need more truth uh, and a basis of determining what is true. There's a lot of uh, misinformation, which is deliberately put out there uh, by politicians and, um, and others in the media. And I feel that in the last five years, there's just been um, an extreme amount of confusion about what is actually a fact. So some way <laughs> of finding, uh, of being able, if you're searching for information on the internet, um, of being able to actually determine like, oh, this is actually something that's true. It's, it's, it's from a centralized source. And I think part of the, the problem that we've been seeing is this lack of trust in institutions and this undermining of what is actually true. Uh, I'm not necessarily presenting a solution for that, but uh, I think even in people's everyday interactions, taking time to be thoughtful about what they know to be true, what's the source of information if they're quoting something. Um, and also if you read something, you read something on the internet, take, take a moment to take a look and, and see like, where did that information come from? Were there any key assumptions, you know, in there or is it just uh, hearsay? And I think that because information is so abundant today and there's so much of it, you just get lazy and I'm guilty of it too. And you just read, 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 and you don't necessarily take the time to actually think about what, where it's coming from. And if there's somebody who's get, potentially has an incentive to give you misinformation, um, the other thing, too, I think the world needs more of is, uh, to use Stephen Covey's quote, an abundance mentality. Uh, I really love the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. first read it, I think, uh, about 15 years ago. And he talked about an abundance mentality and a scarcity mentality. And I, I really believe in life where you look is where you go. So if you want to believe that you're living in a world where you – you, there's an abundance of material goods, of love, of empathy, versus a scarcity. You, what you what you see and feel is ultimately what you're going to manifest. So, I, I think a lot of what we're seeing today, too, as we talk about the widening gap between the rich and the poor, is driven partially by a scarcity mentality that many people hold. 
the recent tax cuts that were passed um, uh, in the United States, I think, are reflective of the scarcity mentality. Um, I don't necessarily think those tax cuts will do any long-term good for the economy. In fact, if anything, they're probably going to cut cut economic demand um, and just boost cor- corporate profits um, in the short run. And I think that the more that people can take a mentality that there is an abundance mentality and degree of optimism that you have to take on faith, um, it helps uh, alleviate some of the problems that you see today. Uh, the ability, the world needs more empathy, uh, the ability to recognize our common humanity. Uh, not doing so, I think, also leads to a scarcity mentality. And uh, gratitude, I think, is the last point I would say. Uh, I think that people should try to take time and feel gratitude. Uh, I try to do it, and when I don't do it, 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 after a while, when I haven't done it, I realize, like, oh, I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't taken time to, to be grateful uh, for my life and what I have and who I have in my life. Um, it, my view is the more gratitude you feel, the more you're going to attract uh, opportunities, the more you're going to attract people. Um, people like being around people who are grateful. People don't like being around people who are ungrateful. It's pretty simple. It's it's uh, it's magnetism. Either it'll it'll attract or repel. Um, and you know, when I think of all these things about the need for truth, the need for an abundance mentality, uh, for empathy, for the ability to feel gratitude, uh, I think a lot of the problems we're seeing today um, stem from a lack of these things. So uh, we are going through. Uh, this crisis of institutions, and you're seeing this with, uh, I think, with the Trump presidency here in the United States, break the United Kingdom, the rise of authoritarianism around the world. And I think that um, the best way to combat these, this sort of crisis we're going through is with these things. Mm. I love it. I love it. And 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 speaking of of you know, it's your. I love your opinion on this, and I agree with it. Um, and, and I'd love to know how it came about. And, and in doing that, I'd love to know, you know, what do you feel is your wow factor? What makes you uniquely you? And, and what are some historical moments that helped shape that over the years? Maybe to give us context of how, how it shaped into these thoughts. Um, yeah, I actually thought about this. Um, I don't think I have a wow factor, Jared, to, to be completely honest and humble. Um, I, I just think that, um, these, these things that are that I've, I've thought about um, have just been through my observations over the course of my 41 years on the planet. And um, I'm very, very lucky uh, and grateful to have had a really good education, which exposed me to studying philosophy. Uh, and I, I, one of my majors in college was in philosophy. Um, and I think that helped, helped me think a little bit uh, more deeply about these kind of issues and what motivates people. Uh, incentives, I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about incentives, especially for a couple of the companies I've formed, and what motivates people beyond just financial incentives. Um, and so I, I've tried to study the, I've tried to study what happens uh, within people internally and what happens in people in societies. And um, so I think that that's what's helped shape these views um, and, you know, the ability to, to be able to, you know, to read and find the time to read um, gets that. And I think also having gone through 
um, uh, forming my own company, working in large companies. Uh, I worked for, I've seen companies rise and fall. Um, I've uh, worked, my first company that I worked for was a business called Enron in Texas. Uh, I, I was there for two years, fresh out of school. I was fired with the bankruptcy when, when that all happened in 19, what was it, 2001. Um, I've worked for a very large investment bank and um, uh, for many, many years and worked all over the world as part of that business in the commodities trading business. And um, I've also uh, done my own thing where I've raised my own, you know, I've run my own business and I've raised money for that. I've, I've got investor capital. I've lost investor capital. I've gotten investor capital, lost investor capital, uh, had some businesses fail, some businesses I've sold. And um, I think that having worked with a lot of different people around the world um, who come from different backgrounds, um, I think these are common themes that I've just noticed, right? Um, you know, it doesn't matter where, where you're from, and, uh, but I think, you know, these are just truths that are applicable to everyone because of our shared common humanity. Right? You know, we, we want truth. We want empathy. We want to feel uh, abundance. And when we feel like we're not getting those things, it pushes us towards fear and scarcity. Hmm. So, so many things brought you there. Observation, uh, learning about philosophy and diving deep, thinking deeply, uh, human incentives, what drives people, reading and learning, going through the journey of working for or within an organization, large and small, uh, starting your own and going through that journey of how to present it and bring it to the world. And, and like you said, though, the, the context of living and working around the globe in different countries and regions and, and moments of life, it, it starts to show you like, hey, these are commonalities that exist. It's powerful. It's really powerful. I, mean, I heard it said that only 13% of the U.S., and I'll have to double check this fact to make sure it's true, but 13% of the U.S. has a passport and even less use it, which you know makes me scratch my head. Um, because there's so much an opportunity to travel. And if that's coming from this country, I wonder what the stats of the rest of the world are like. And, you know, hopefully I, I think Europeans travel more. It seems like it at least because they're, they're close and they go from place to place. Uh, Australians seem to have a knack for always wanting to move around and, and have their, you know, their gap year where they go out and explore. Um, but, but it's interesting to see how many people are engaged in that immersion process and learning process to really get into the world and see what's out there, even just the town next door. doesn't have to be another country, but, but seeing how that evolves. I think that's really powerful, and it's great insight for other people who are looking for those types of experiences. Yes, and I would just say some of my experiences have, have anecdotally backed up what you're saying. Uh, I lived in uh, London, in the United Kingdom, for six years, and I, I've spent quite a lot of time in Europe um, for the last 35 years. Um, and my grandparents retired in France, so I would go to France in the summers, uh, even and that while I was living in New York City growing up, which was pretty unusual and uh, was, again, something I'm very grateful for. Um, and, you know, one thing I've noticed, uh, just as my observation, having lived in the United Kingdom and come back to the United States and living in, in a very international city like New York, I still feel that people who live in New York are more insular than people who live uh, in Europe, especially people who live in London. And um, when you're living uh, abroad in Europe, you're around so many other countries with long histories and cultures that have been around 
uh, for much longer than the United States and people that speak different languages. Uh, and, um, you know, New York uh, really is, you know, it's part of America, and, it's, and New York's quite different from the rest of America. Um, and people in New York tend to travel more than people in America, and I've, I've also had the ability to uh, run a business, um, you know, in the United States where a lot of people who are working for us uh, didn't live in New York, and I, th- I think quite a number of those people um, didn't travel. Some of them didn't have passports um, or didn't travel outside the United States, or maybe they'd gone to Mexico. Um, and it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. I'm not trying to pass judgment either way. Um, but just from my personal observation, um, yes, I would agree with that. I think Americans tend to travel less than people in Europe. And part of that is, I think a large part of that is geography. Um, so, um, but that does inform your views. Um, and, um, you know, your news feed is probably more dominated by U.S. centric news, less about what's going on in the rest of the world. Um, and, you know, I think Americans should sometimes take a step back if they don't and realize, um, you know, as a percentage of the total population, we're probably about 5% of the total world population, even though we have the world's largest economy and, uh, the universe doesn't revolve around us. Um, and, um, and that, and power dynamics are shifting over time, right? China will eclipse the United States as the world's largest economy at some point, um, and America's influence is waning in the world. Um, and I think some of the influence that we're losing is, is being accelerated by our current president. Um, and that's unfortunate because that is going away. And so I think the reality, the, the, the reality is that over the next 20 or 30 years, um, the power dynamic is going to shift where, where America has less power, less influence. And um, I think that uh, it would suit Americans to be aware of that and to think very carefully about their decisions and uh, and um, how they can be, um, you know, useful in the changing economy. Hmm. I love that. And of all of your travels and living in different places and working in different places, uh, what would you say? I'd, I'd love to know, what would you say is a humbling moment, uh, a moment that left you feeling humble in that, that time? Uh, yeah, the probably the most humbling moment I've had recently uh, was my mother, uh, my mother's passing, mm. which was uh, about six months ago in February, and um, that was pretty upsetting. Uh, even though she'd been sick for some time with cancer, uh, it was pretty upsetting just because, in in some ways, I didn't really expect it to happen, and when it was happening, it happened so quickly. Uh, and, uh, it was very emotional, uh, but the, there were some extremely positive things that came out of it. Uh, and one of those things was just intense gratitude and, um, an intense sense of humility, right? Intense sense of humility about things that I made me step back and I dropped everything and made me think about, uh, things that I was taking for granted, um, things that I thought were important. Uh, but really were not that important. Things that really made me angry and upset um, <laughs> about things related to a business I was running that I thought were important, and I realized they weren't. And, um, you know, it, it also made me feel humble because of what my mom had done for me over the course of my life, um, the, the things that I never said thank you for, 
um, and how much of who I am today, given the sacrifices that she and my my dad had to make for me. And, um, and again, just this, this feeling of gratitude. So, um, you know, it was a horrible, horrible experience for my mother. Um, but she died with a tremendous amount of dignity and, um, never complained and, um, and, uh, ended up making me feel, you know, in some ways like, wow, like I've been a bit of a shithead. Um, you know, haven't been grateful for the right things and it made me feel extremely humble. Hmm. Wow. Here's a question. What about an, ins- an awe-inspiring moment? I, I imagine other people have said this to you. I, I, and uh, admittedly, I haven't listened to your other podcasts, so I'm sorry I will. Um, but uh, it was really the birth of my daughter. My, my, and I've had, I have three children now. Um, but, and, and by the way, not just my daughter, but all three children. I cried for all, at all three of them, and I told myself I wasn't going to. And um, after, the, after she was born, I was like, I'm definitely not crying next time I have a kid. And I did. And um, it's, just, it's just awesome. And even though I've seen it happen before and my most recent child was born three weeks ago, it's just an incredible experience. Um, and uh, it was, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's a miracle of life. And um, it's it just, uh, it's it just, it's just such a cool thing. That's awesome. Uh, only, only one other person has said that and, okay. and believe it or not. <laughs> and, and, and so in, in sharing that his, his experience was, it was incredible and awe-inspiring to see what the human body was truly capable of. Um, I mean, yeah. he has a lot of respect for his his, his wife and, and partner, and but but to observe the the, the possibilities of, of what it can handle and how it can endure and and, and create and and go through the, that process um, just blew his mind. He he didn't know what he didn't know until it happened, and his mind was forever forever shifted in. in in an awe-inspiring way of just thinking, wow, what what a capacity the human body has, specifically the female body in that case. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. And it's like a lot, a lot of things in life, right? You can be told something, but you'll never, a lot of things you'll never learn until you actually live it. That's and um, I think there was a good friend of mine who wrote a book called Live It, by the way. Hey, um, good <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's true. It's uh, like they say, the, you can't really can be taught the teachings of the Buddha, but you're not going to experience enlightening enlightenment by uh, just listening to the teachings. You have to actually uh, go through it and experience it and understand it in a uniquely human way. Mm. I love that. I love that. Moving forward, what's your greatest fear? Mm-hmm. Not being good enough, mm. not having something of value to contribute to the world. I've never thought of that, but that hits home. Um, the, 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 the second part, the wanting to add value in some way, but unable if there's a place to be able to do so. Yeah, I think it goes down to meaning, right? What's mm-hmm. the meaning of life? What's the purpose of being here? And I've you know racked my brain over this for um, the short time I've been on this planet, and I keep coming back to the fact that by definition, purpose means that you're here to do something. It means you're here to to uh, to have some sort of impact to leave the world in a better place than when you found it. And I have a fear of being some old dude 
uh, that has absolutely no service and use to society. Um, perhaps it's irrational, um, but I just don't want to be that guy. And I can only imagine how terrifying it must feel to, you know, be old in your life and frail and have, you know, disability like schizophrenia and be losing your mind um, and, um, and feeling like you have to have people constantly take care of you. Um, and not that that's not a learning moment in itself, um, but when I think through, you know, we, we, we must have some sort of purpose, right? We must, that must be why we're here. Um, and um, otherwise, it's sort of just meaningless. I don't think that it's random uh, that we exist. I don't think that uh, consciousness is just a uh, byproduct of evolution. And um, it, it actually means something to me. And I can feel it, and I, I, I can, I can, I, I just have it's just this awareness, right? And I, I just feel that, um, you know, I, I don't want to take that for granted. Hmm. Hmm. I, I like that. I like that. I think, like you said, there are beautiful lessons, and and sometimes I don't think it's something that people worry about just about getting older. I've I've heard it many times from people in their twenties and teens saying, you know, I'm, I'm, they're stressing out and they're frustrated because they can't find their purpose. They can't, they haven't defined what their purpose is yet. And they feel like they're getting older. Um, yeah. and, and, and it, it's a need, it's a drive that people are hunting for at this stage of life, yeah. um, around yeah. the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of my earlier existential crises that I had was in college where you, you basically had to decide upon your major and this was in sophomore year. And uh, typical liberal arts college in the United States, they give you lots of time to pad you with kick gloves and you know make sure you can think about it. Whereas if you were locked into an engineering program, program in you know the United Kingdom, you probably would have had to figure that out when you were 15 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but the reality of the situation is you don't have to figure it out then, and you can keep reinventing yourself as you get older, right? It's the thing that I've learned. Um, but I remember at the time I was really obsessed with this question of you know, what is it that I need to be doing? Why is it that I need to be doing this? And I really wanted to know the answer. And the thing that I realized, and it was, it was a couple of years later, and it was really the point was you're not supposed to know. And in fact, you can't know. You have to live your life so that while you're living your life, these things start to become revealed to you through your experience to go back to what we were talking about earlier. And that is why um, I really love this quote from the uh, Austrian poet, uh, Rainer Maria Rilke. And he essentially said something along the lines of, and I'm going to do a very bad job <laughs> quoting him, so I'll just paraphrase because I should know it offhand, but essentially um, it was letters to a young poet, and he was responding to somebody who was having the same sort of existential angst where, there, where uh, he was asking questions about, you know, what are we supposed to be doing in life? Uh, you know, uh, he was stressed out about not knowing what the answer was. And his answer was essentially like, listen, take it easy. You're not supposed to know. And the point of life now is to live the question. Live the question that you're, you're, you're asking, and someday you will live into the answers to those questions. Mm. And that really struck with me. And I thought, like, well, I'm like, wow, I'm like, that's really beautiful. That's really poetic. And, you know, that makes sense to me. Right, because and they gave me a sense of, of comfort in optimism, and you know the funny corollary to all of that 
was uh, my mom actually knew uh, about that quote. Uh, she knew that uh, I really liked that quote. And my mom was a uh, tenured professor at Long Island University, associate researcher at Columbia University, very smart woman, spoke Vietnamese and French fluently. Uh, she was a Vietnam scholar, wrote numbers, numerous books on the country, Southeast Asia, and truly was an academic. And you know, even up to the last year where she was really sick, she'd still send me articles or things that she thought were important to me. Um, and so that was my mom's way of basically being very um, thoughtful. And, um, you know, as she was always, always thinking about things that would be important to me um, intellectually. And, um, you know, I wasn't even planning on telling this story, but uh, just before the funeral, I, you know, before my mom passed, because she actually called an audible and it was a Monday and she was like, all right, this is my week. I'm going this week. And um, that's when it really hit home. And, um, and so she passed away. Uh, she said that on a Monday, she passed away on Thursday, early Thursday morning. And she told me, uh, I remember I, I asked her then that week, because then it was really real, it was really happening. And I said to her, I'm like, all right, well, let's just say you, you pass over. And she wouldn't say whether or not she believed in the afterlife. Um, she was just very coy about it. And I said, listen, let's just say hypothetically, you pass over, you find out you're, you're still there. Um, how am I going to know that it's you, right? Are you going to send me some sort of sign? And, um, my mom, I was like, listen, can you give me like a, a flower? And she's like, all right, well, it'll be a, a white camellia. I was like, oh, I was like, like, I'm like, that's a terrible one because nobody knows what a white camellia is. I'm like, what about an animal? And she's like, all right, an alpaca. And I was like, oh, gosh. I'm like, that's, that's terrible, too. I was like, you know, those are such obscure signs. And um, But my mom was also very stubborn. She always wanted to do things the way she wanted to do things. So um, fast forward a few days later, and we're, we're at the funeral service, and I had arranged for a, a, um, a minister to say some words. And he was non-denominational. He asked me what... what what I wanted him to say. And I basically said, listen, um, you know, I talked about her background. I talked about her career. I talked about things that are important to her. Um, and I said, say whatever you want to say. You can quote whatever scripture you think is applicable for the moment, um, you know, for the wake when he was giving a little speech about her. And, um, but in no ways do I want to influence you uh, in terms of what you should be picking. Um, and that's all. I didn't tell him a single thing to look at. I, I said, you can do anything you want. I didn't, guide his hand in any way or talk about anything my mom and I used to discuss because um, I just wanted to see what he would do. So when he was giving the speech uh, in, in, in at our wake, he basically quoted from um, the Bible, he quoted uh, from a Buddhist text, and then he ended his, uh, his, um, his speech, or eulogy rather, uh, with a quote. Uh, from an obscure Austrian poet named Greener Maria Rilke. And he literally quoted the quote that I told you just earlier. Hmm. And he said, I think that really sums up, you know, how she lived her life. And I asked him later, I'm like, why did you pick that? He's like, I don't know. It sort of just came to me last night. And, I mean, of all the canon of Western literature and poetry, he picks this dude and that quote, which my mom knew was one of my favorite quotes. It's not my favorite quote which I never discussed with the guy. And, um, and by the way, if my mom were to have told me 
like, hey, I'm around, and let me know that, you know, that she wanted me to know it was her, that's the way she would have done it. She would have picked something like that that was so obscure and meaningful, and then just to say, hey, I'm here. So um, I guess, you know, I was thinking about, you know, amazing and humbling things as well. You know, that was incredibly humbling, um, you know, when, when that minister uh, read that quote. Mm. That's powerful. It's very powerful. I, I think it's also something that ties together, you know, we were talking about purpose and meaning and humbling moments and mm. how all these things intersplice into just daily life, and they're, they're all there. Um, a lot of time it comes back to what you said a lot earlier, uh, which is one of your non-wow factors, but I think it's a wow factor, is observation seeing these things noticing them because they're there and what you said in the very beginning you know what you look for you find more of an amplify in your world and 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 the ability to train your mind to look for the amazing things and you can call them miracles or blessings or signs or whatever but but to spot those as they're happening because they're everywhere and and when you can connect with them all of a sudden it, it adds more more substance to to every moment because um, it can be meaningless and it's just stuff that random happens and randomness, you know, randomness of existence or or it can piece together and actually mean something and, and link together and show you different things that are showing up in the world around you. I, I think it's very insightful and I think it's very um, you know, observant of you to see those things and notice them and appreciate them for what they are. It, it's very cool. Speaking of being excited, what are you most excited about for the future? Um, seeing my kids grow up and don't want them to grow up too quickly. I mean, one piece of advice I got constantly was it, it happens too quick. Enjoy all your moment with your, you know, all the time you have with your kids. Don't take it for granted. It happens so quickly. I mean, I heard this at nauseam from people I didn't even know. Um, and um, I mean, it, I can't even tell you how many people have told me this. And my reaction the last couple of years has been, yeah, yeah, yeah. But recently, you know, after I've just had my third kid, I was looking at my daughter the other day, and she's four, four and a half years old. And I'm like, where did this little girl come from? And she's you know, gotten big. And, and I'm just thinking, like, wow, like there's so much of a blur that's happened, especially when I'm looking at our, our, our new baby and how little he is and all the things he's going through. And I'd actually forgotten that my daughter had gone through some of these things. I'd forgotten that she was that way. And... Um, so I'm excited to be more mindful and uh, about my kids and about my time. I think I took a lot of things for granted um, the last couple of years as I was building uh, a business. Um, and um, excited to just be more joyful um, about that time that I have with my family. Um, and it's just, it's just so important. And I, I, I can't tell you, again, I can't overemphasize how many people who've been through it with kids keep saying this. I mean, I was on the beach last summer in Amagansett on the Hamptons. And um, it was like something out of a movie, like this older man walks by and he sees our, two of my kids, the two kids I had at a time playing on the beach. And they just starts talking to me. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, my three kids and we did this, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, but you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, like I would have had another three, like you'll always find more money. Right. But you won't find more time. Mm. And he's like, you always make it work. And like that, he turned around, walked away and he vanished in the mirage on the beach, just disappeared. Now, I'm joking about that part, but he did walk away. Um, and, uh, and I just thought it was so funny. But and so I'm excited to be mindful. 
Um, I'm also excited uh, about consciousness, uh, something we talked about earlier. I think we're going through a pretty shitty time in terms of global consciousness, uh, particularly in a lot of developed world, developed countries. Uh, I think there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of polarization, um, and unfortunately, I think you just kind of have to go through this shit uh, that we're going through. And um, I, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic, that if we can figure out a way to come to consensus on truth, on abundance, on empathy, on gratitude, um, then you can see consciousness start to change. And um, I'm generally an optimist. I, I do agree um, generally that the world has become a more peaceful place over the last thousand years. Um, and I think some of the drivers for that have been just communication. There's been an increase in communication um, around the world and you know, with the Internet, with uh, the fact that I can text my buddy who was in France yesterday with his family and we were texting. I remember when I would go to France in the summers and um, it was very, very difficult to even get a phone call through. Um, and um, just so the speed of communication has been pretty amazing. Um, the downside is that that can cut both ways too, right? And I think that a lot of the fear that you see today has been amplified by people being aware of things that they weren't aware of before. And it's much easier for negative news to get out. It's like it is for positive news, right? So um, other drivers for this increase in consciousness, um, the just general increase in transparency. Um, I think that things are becoming more transparent especially in financial markets. Uh, you look at the asset management space, there's been a huge drive uh, for transparency and, and fees. Um, and generally speaking, uh, the more that you can make price signals transparent, um, it's just better for markets. It's better for investment long-term uh, for, for actually capital being deployed into things. And one of the limits for growth is capital not being deployed into new ventures. And one of the limits for capital not wanting to go into new ventures is because there's not enough clarity about the underlying numbers. So hopefully over time, as there's more transparency about costs and figures and metrics, uh, especially with the rise of big data, it will encourage more capital to flow into more businesses, which will encourage more job growth. Um, and then in terms of consciousness, I would say also the rise of women. Um, I think that um, you know the, the continual march of of um, of women basically uh, being able to have um, you know more of a say and be uh, allowed to be, to um, have their rights respected. I, I still think there's quite a long way to go. Uh, we need more women in power, right? And I, I think you're already starting to see this with um, a lot of candidates that are coming up for the midterm elections. There's a lot more women uh, here in the United States who are, who are, who are going, running for office, which I think is a great thing. I really wish uh, more than 50% of our elected officials were women. I think we'd probably uh, have <laughs> less problems, quite honestly. Um, and um, you can also see it with the Me Too movement uh, uh, in Hollywood. I think that it's been a long overdue thing. And, um, you know, I think that uh, the more that we respect our women around the world, uh, the safer and better the world will become. Um, and then I would say the other things I'm excited about for the future, uh, technology, obviously, it's, I'm sure a lot of people talk about that. 
the scale of technological changes and one change feeding off another change that wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's dizzying. Uh, it obviously can cut both ways as well, where we don't understand the implications of things we're creating, um, such as uh, what role Facebook had with um, the previous elections. And, um, but I'm, I'm incredibly optimistic. And I think that uh, there's a lot of hope um, if we can basically continue to innovate and use technology for positive means. We have the ability to kill ourselves, obviously, and with through nukes or killer robots or um, just sowing um, misinformation. Um, but I think we also have the ability to do truly amazing things, such as colonize Mars, right? And I think in my lifetime, fingers crossed, I will see the first people uh, on Mars, which would be amazing. Um, and then finally, the other things I would say I'm excited about, uh, just new opportunities to, to create new businesses, create wealth. Um, there's just with the rise of technology and changes in technology and communication tools, there's new ways to connect people, um, new ways to do business. And I, I think a lot of that's changing. So um, some of the things I'm looking at with my businesses involve that. And um, I think that uh, there's, there's a lot of potential wealth creation. Um, and... Um, you know, definitely excited about the future there. I love all those things. It, 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 it's powerful. And I think all these little shifts over history will, will transform so much in so many ways and create things that we don't even know. Um, you know, it'll lead the new things beyond our current limitation of understanding. That's wild. I, I love it. I'm, I'm looking forward to those things too. Um, so <laughs> we're going to switch gears, jump into what we call the nuts and bolts of the conversation. This is more tactical, practical, sure. applicable kind of thoughts and ideas for people. And, and much of what you shared, people can apply and you know learn and, and, and experience in their own life even more. Uh, but in this side, we're gonna look for just things they can do. And, and so the first question is, where do you spend and focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day as of right now? Well, my, my usual schedule has been in complete flux because we just had a kid. Uh, and so a large part of that focus has been um, on the family recently and taking some time off work. Um, and I would say as we're starting to transition now back to quote-unquote normal, although there really is no normal in our, in our family, um, a lot of the time is spent with the family every single day. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's just uh, a constant need with the kids. Um, there's uh, a lot of my time as I start to shift back to, to quote-unquote normal uh, reading. Uh, so uh, basically making sure I'm on top of markets, um, uh, reading things that I think are uh, important for what I'm doing in business, um, things that you know deal with these other topics we've talked about, a consciousness and technology. Um, I think it's, it's critical that you're, you're taking in um, new information and, and constantly thinking about things. So I try to spend time reading, thinking um, for my business, working with clients and businesses to solve problems, which is what gets me excited. Um, and then hopefully, um, I haven't been very good about it recently, um, spending more time with me personally um, on myself uh, when I can, uh, but making sure that I've spent, I, I sort of hive off time every single day uh, to really get centered. Get centered in the morning, I think it's critical uh, to have rituals, as you and I have discussed uh, ad nauseum with each other. Um, but the, the 
ability to be consistent every single day um, and to be really thoughtful in the morning about your intentions, uh, your gratitude, what you want to accomplish, uh, and creating the bookends of the day where you think about in the evening, okay, well, what happened? Uh, what did I do that was good? Well, what, what could I have done that was better? Uh, I think it's important to have that kind of process. Um, and, um, and so, and then it sort of brings you back, right, uh, to where you are. So it's somewhat mundane, but I think it's, it's pretty important. It's hmm. powerful. Family, fatherhood, reading, thinking, being centered, all powerful things. In all of these elements, what do you say is one of the keys to your success? Um, there's a few things. I would say that it's really important to be able to see where you want to go. And it's really important once you've been able to see it, to be able to feel it. Uh, I have found that things that I am more likely to achieve in, uh, that I want to set as a goal, I can actually feel it and I can believe in it. And, I can, and when I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it emotionally. Um, and I think it's a lot of it's also faith. When you talk about faith religiously, um, people talk about the importance of faith, uh, which is you're just believing in something without knowledge, I think is one explanation, or any proof, rather, believing in something without any proof of it. I think faith is something where you, you feel something, and you may not have evidence of it, but you know it to be true. And, um, and so I think it's so important to have that faith in yourself, right? to, to really feel and believe in yourself being a certain way, um, being open to an opportunity. So it may not be per se that you're like, hey, I want to be able to um, make this much money or I want to be able to live here or, or buy this or I want to be able to have this accomplishment with, um, with, you know, with this athletically. Um, I, I think it's a, a critical part of all that is being able to really uh, have faith and feel it, that you're going to do it um, or that you can help influence things for things that you can't control. Um, and um, so I think that's one thing. And I think things that times where I have not succeeded is when I've lost that feeling. Um, so that's one thing. I would say another thing is uh, persistence. Uh, you cannot underestimate the power of persistence. Uh, raising money for a company, um, I basically um, was able, I think at one point, to raise money, a significant amount of equity capital for a business just because I was persistent. And we should have probably given up a long time ago um, because we lost a major investor. Uh, but I just kept at it, and I kept that feeling as well. I kept that faith that, that it was going to happen, and um, and I kept the persistence and and um, and just just stayed methodical, and it worked out. Um, so it, it, a lot of times, the reason why it's so hard to be persistent is because it is boring. Right? It is boring sometimes, you know, in your mind to be like, oh, I've been doing this same thing over and over again. And sometimes when something is boring, it is a signal that you shouldn't be doing anymore, right? Um, but if, if it, as long as you're being persistent with, and that persistence in the Venn diagram overlaps with 
you know, you're you being centered emotionally with where you, you need to be doing, then I think you're okay. Um, so I would say those are two key things. And then part of all that is being able to take time out, whether it's once a month or once a year, um, and really spend that time to center yourself, get rid of distractions. And the more busy, the busier you become, the larger your family becomes, the harder that becomes. Uh, but that's just a critical, critical thing. Um, because you really need to spend that time to get centered. Uh, uh, otherwise, you can just keep going on autopilot and and not have that moment to step back and be like, hey, like, you know, I haven't really thought about this and this is really important. So uh, I like to write things down, um, write down my goals, write down the things that, that are important to me, reass- do, uh, reassess those if I can't do it monthly, try to do it once a year. Um, and really it reminds you of things too that you've forgotten. So um, really, really important to be able to get centered and figure out a way to do that, especially if, you know, if you, especially the busier you become, the more important you become. Hmm. So very true. So very true. Now here's the final question. What is one actionable tip that can help others achieve and experience this kind of success in their life? You've talked about so much. Um, I'd love to narrow it down to just one thing we could leave them with that if they were to just start doing this thing each day or keep doing this thing each day, it it would very much help them. And you've given a handful, but I'd love to know what the one is. I would say uh, just to keep it simple, um, one thing you can do is to do, actually, I think it's your term, is the bookends. Um, So um, start your day with your intention. Uh, Think about the things that you want to achieve end your day reflecting upon what you did and what you could have done better. It's, it's really simple, and you don't have to spend much time. You can spend five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. Um, and if you just do that, and it's helpful if you write it down, over time it creates a very powerful habit, and it makes you more aware and mindful. Uh, and that's a very simple, actionable thing uh, you can do. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, thank you, sir, for spending all this time with us, for sharing so much love and life and thoughts and insights. Uh, We very much appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, uh, you're welcome. And uh, thank you very much for asking me to do it. And uh, it was nice to talk about myself uh, (laughs) for half an hour. I think it's more than that. I think when people listen in, you'll see some beautiful feedback here of their experience and uh, hearing about observation and philosophy and thinking deeply and, uh, you know, what the real human drivers are, figuring out how to bookend their day and how to have those thoughtful moments, um, how to just be, how how to shut things off and just immerse yourself into being in the moment and being really centered and ready and and to find what's true for you and to move forward, to start looking for the miracles around us. And, and look for all those little things that are happening, the reminders of life and love and, and kind of the magic that's unfolding around us at all points in time and history. If, if you're looking for them, if you're trying to observe what's right with the world around you and really being observant in that factor. I loved all this. Um, and, and for everyone tuning in, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here. We, we really appreciate it. If you love what you're listening to, make sure to share. Find someone to, to pass this on to. Make sure to hit subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you all next episode. Thank you.